needs this voice. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. There are several developments in connection with the midterms that I want to talk about. Uh, very shockingly, Carrie Lake has lost her race in Arizona for the governor. And Katie Hobbs, who didn't debate and didn't campaign and was acknowledged even her own side, even by her own side to be a lackluster candidate, somehow pulled it off by, what, 20,000 or so uh, votes. This makes absolutely no sense. Polls actually showed Kerry Lake leading by 10 points. In fact, the whole slate, including Abe Hamaday for Attorney General, Mark Fincham for Secretary of State, all of them were leading. And it looks like Fincham has lost. Hamaday, I'm not sure. Kerry Lake has lost. And, um, and the question becomes, how is this really possible? What's really going on here? I, I don't know if I have the full story. One part of the story is border suppression by the Democrats and by the left, and perhaps by Katie Hobbs, who, after all, is overseeing the election. You have this bizarre spectacle of Katie Hobbs, as Secretary of State, overseeing an election in which she's the candidate. That because this is like being the referee and the quarterback in a game at the at the same time. But another way to look at it is, you know, here's Katie Hobbs. She's the she's the judge of a beauty uh, contest in which she is herself a contestant. It's profoundly stupid. It erodes confidence in the process. And all of that is becoming an even bigger and more urgent question now. There were all these technical glitches with tabulators um, in Maricopa County, the largest county, by the way, in the state. And lots of people, uh, estimates vary, but something around around 20% of people who show up to vote are not able to vote, at least not avail, uh, able to vote right then and there. They have to go elsewhere or they are blocked from voting because the tabulators aren't working. So what is this if not a kind of blocking of the vote? Now, they claim it was a technical glitch. It's a, you know, it's these things do happen. But the reason it's so significant is that Carrie Lake had been telling her voters vote on election day. In fact, this is a kind of a Republican mantra. Uh, Trump said something to the same effect in 2020. Uh, it's a mantra that, by the way, I think needs to be reconsidered. Debbie and I have talked about on the podcast whether Republicans should embrace early voting. Because think about it. If you if you say to, to your own side, only vote on Election Day, this is kind of like saying we're going to play this football game, but only play in the fourth quarter. The last quarter is the one that really matters. Save all your energy. That's when we're really going to move the ball. Well, if the Democrats figure, well, let's think of some ways we can sort of slow things down in the fourth quarter. Let's think of some ways we can put some, some glitches that conveniently show up. And then we have ruined the entire game plan of the other side. And in a close election, that's more than enough to make to make up the difference. Now, um, uh, our friend Harmeet Dillon uh, is in Arizona with an army of lawyers. Uh, Republicans have this time much more than 2020 are kind of on it. I expect there's a lot of litigation that's going to come out of this. I hope it's not simply one of those, let's fix things the next time. But go to a judge and basically say, look, if you find that there was enough voter suppression that could have made the difference in this election, then you have to redo the election. You just have to set a new date, almost like the runoffs in Georgia, and redo the Arizona election. We'll see. I'll be watching closely to to see what happens there. 
there is a report going around. I consider the activities of the Maricopa Elections Office on Election Day something like a spike strip, knowing that so much of the Republican vote was going to come out specifically on that day because they did not trust mail-in voting. So there was reports going around that 19-inch paper, ballot paper, was circulated, whereas 20-inch paper had been the norm during early and mail causing misfeeds issues with the tabulator at the polling stations, sending those to adjudication. And now we see, of course, this election day vote, which should have been heavily in favor of, of Carrie Lake and the rest of the GOP ticket coming out as a trickle, like you said, barely majorities, 51-48 type vote dumps. And it is pretty clear to me that they've devised a system in which they can not only see what the bottom is, meaning how many votes does our Republican opponent have, and then they give themselves enough time via destruction of ballots, swapping of votes, machine alteration of votes, adjudication to surpass that number and do so by 10 or 20,000 votes. And now, Lindell TV brings you The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Trump. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and you are about to enter the Stone Zone. But the question we really have to ask ourselves is, does it matter who the Republican nominee for president is? in 2024. Can any Republican win given our rigged and manipulated elections? That's really the story today because somehow the red wave that we kept hearing about over and over again became a pink drizzle. Uh, The mainstream media doesn't cover this other than their manipulation of the results. AP is seemingly to lead uh, in their conditioning of people to declare winners before the votes are even there for winners to be be declared on the basis of. It's all very weird. Joining us now to try to make some sense of it and explain to us exactly what's going on before our very eyes is Captain Seth Ketchell. Uh, Seth Ketchell is one of the leading voices in the country for election integrity someone I have enormous respect for, and he joins us now. Roger, I actually prefer the title prominent election denier, as I've been dubbed by the fake mainstream media, but it is good to be back on your show. I wish we were having the show under better circumstances, but alas, we are at war and we are going to get it right one way or another. No, you, you, can't, you can't have the title of chief election denier because Hillary Clinton still holds that title. The media just chooses to forget about it. So um, this is uh, really, you're right, it's very depressing. When I learned last night on my way back from a meeting in Miami uh, that the media had declared the election uh, of uh, Katie Hobbs over uh, Carrie Lake, I found this really incredulous. In other words, Katie Hobbs 
Biden style, spent most of the campaign hiding in her basement. Um, she's a frumpy type that wasn't much of a candidate. She wouldn't debate. Carrie Lake was without any question, I think, the best candidate running in the country. And she ran a very good campaign. Can you explain to us exactly what happened here? Absolutely. So Carrie Lake is symbolically the most important candidate on the national election front. I would say tactically, Mark Fincham and Jim Marchant, Secretary of State candidates in Arizona and Nevada, respectively, are the most important tactically tactical pieces given their roles in uncovering the election corruption. Now with Arizona, it's simple. The massive cheating in midterms in Arizona began in 2018. There's a very predictable turnout number from 2006 to 2010 to 2014 in Arizona's midterms for governor. The average number of votes cast is about a million and a half, despite the growth of the state. And then in 2018, we had 2.4 million votes cast between Doug Ducey and his opponent. Doug Ducey won convincingly. And now there's going to be two and a half million cast between Hobbs and Kerry Lake. So that's only up about 750,000 from the previously established averages in midterms. The mainstream media has succeeded in brainwashing enough of the population into forgetting the political trends associated with midterms in that they are almost always slanted against the president's party. Now that would be we would expect a major wave in the House, depending on the Senate slate. Of course, I had 54 to 56 seats projected for the Republican Party in the Senate. And of course, the key governor's races, they are all critical. In the 2018 midterms, the Democrat Rust Belt secretaries of state were put in place, and they were critical for maneuvering the electoral votes, the Rust Belt, away from Donald Trump in 2020. Arizona and Nevada also went into that frame of mind. Georgia also put in Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger in 2018. So, yes, we have absolutely been underneath fraudulent elections to a large scale since 2018. 2020 was not the beginning of this. And in Arizona, of course, what we had is the 2020 model in play. And the only difference was they didn't call the race for Katie Hobbs right away like they did for Joe Biden. That was important in order to freeze the Electoral College narrative as Trump marched through the swing states. That had to be called in order to send the signal to stop the count in the Rust Belt. Arizona gave you the count. We heard from everybody. Don't worry about it. We have Election Day ballots that are going to be counted for Kerry Lake, and they're going to go 75-25. And then gradually, as the days went on, we run out of ballots. And I knew that was going to happen. Unfortunately, they never even let her have a single lead in which she could have possibly declared victory and crossed the Rubicon over the stolen elections. Remember, um, Fox News played a prominent role in that early call of Arizona for Joe Biden before the enough votes had been counted to determine that. So those who examined uh, the Fox and Murdoch networks uh, uh, advocacy for Governor Ron DeSantis may want to keep that in mind uh, going forward. Um, then uh, speak to us specifically about the problems in Maricopa County. I was told that a test that was conducted the night before of the tabulators showed everything working fine. So what went wrong? Or what was done? Perhaps a better question. There is a report going around. I consider the activities of the Maricopa Elections Office on Election Day something like a spike strip, knowing that so much of the Republican vote was going to come out specifically on that day because they did not trust mail-in voting. So there was reports going around that 19-inch paper 
ballot paper was circulated, whereas 20-inch paper had been the norm during early and mail causing misfeed issues with the tabulators at the polling stations, sending those to adjudication. And now we see, of course, this election day vote, which should have been heavily in favor of, of Carrie Lake and the rest of the GOP ticket coming out as a trickle, like you said. Barely majorities, 51-48 type vote dumps. And it is pretty clear to me that they've devised a system in which they can not only see what the bottom is, meaning how many votes does our Republican opponent have, and then they give themselves enough time via destruction of ballots, swapping of votes, machine alteration of votes, adjudication, to surpass that number and do so by 10 or 20,000 votes. Uh, an obvious question. Uh, looking at it uh, ex post facto, is everything you just said provable? That's the biggest issue. Now, if we had full transparency into cast vote records, and this goes hand in hand with Canvas, you would hear somebody like Peter Navarro say, it's the canvas, not the count. If I handed you $500 bills, you would say that you've got $500 until we pulled the pin out and found out that two of those are fake. So there's a big difference between ballots and actual votes. Now, there was a huge discovery in VA7, Virginia 7, in which the Democrat incumbent held on by four points. And this was after trailing almost the entire evening. And there was a pretty large machine discrepancy found in the number of total ballots accounted for on the machine tape versus the number of ballots actually found on a hand count. And that resulted in 22 more votes for the Democrat on top of 500 total ballots cast and only three for the Republican. So if that is something that is being replicated throughout all precincts in districts, then you have the potential for 10 point or more swings in the total vote count. Before we leave uh, Arizona, I found it shocking uh, that ABC jumped out and declared that Mark Kelly had won the Senate race. I also noticed that Blake Masters uh, has not uh, conceded. Are there, as we sit here today, still uncounted votes in that race? I'm sure there's a few uncounted votes. They they have reported about 99% complete. Now that's of course up to the up to believing the elections office. Based on a historical count of presidential turnout plus midterm turnout, it would seem that there's probably not many ballots left. But of note, the Republican treasurer, the incumbent Kimberly Yee, she won her race by about 12 points, more than a quarter million votes. So you'd have to believe that the entire Republican Party voter roll showed up on election day to give the treasurer only a large win of about as many votes as I would expect Kerry Lake to win by, and then, of course, starve the rest of the Republican ticket in a Biden midterm, which I do not believe. That would seem to be a level of a ticket splitting that, um, that defies any kind of logic. Um, does Carrie Lake have any, uh, is there a remedy here? Is there uh, any court case, any regulatory fight? What, what, are her, what are her options at this juncture? I think the best option that they could push right now is voter suppression and disenfranchisement. And that is pretty obvious based on the fact that 30% of machines had issues in various precincts on election day. They also were not given the relief to have polls stay open longer on election day to account for that. And now we see the race is down to about 20,000 votes. That is 100% a civil rights and disenfranchisement issue, in my opinion, that has nothing to do with the statistics that show what the true nature of this race should have been. Carrie Lake, Katie Hobbs had no business being within 10 points of Carrie Lake. And she also was allowed to preside over her own election, which I find particularly disgusting.
Yeah, that is the most clear uh, a conflict of interest you can possibly uh, imagine. It was raised throughout the campaign, but between uh, the Uniparty, or perhaps I should say the McCain Republicans, who therefore might as well be Democrats, uh, and the Democrats, uh, it, it boggles the mind that we're still waiting a week later and don't have every single vote counted. Uh, in the state of Florida, which is many times larger uh, than the state of Arizona, we had all our votes counted on election night. Also true in Texas. Uh, it boggles the mind, unless, of course, all of this, gee, I don't know, maybe it's being done purposely. Uh, would Carrie Lake have to bring uh, legal action in the state courts, in the federal courts? Where would she have to bring such action? I'm definitely not the right guy to consult on that, but I will tell you the previous precedent based on 2020's challenges is that time is not our friend at this point. And you realize that over the weekend, the Maricopa Elections Office said that they were going to stop counting on Friday night and then resume on Monday. Well, guess what happened on Saturday and Sunday? Here's vote drops. And then by Monday, they're ready to declare the race. The exact same strategy that happened in 2020 with Trump versus Biden. Donald Trump's vote gains in Arizona are of a historic magnitude. Arizona had been blue one time in seven decades. And of course, you're going to tell me that Donald Trump loses Arizona and Maricopa County with a record vote performance. It's the same thing that happened with Carrie Lake. She has more votes than Donald Trump won the state with in 2016. And in a Biden midterm, it's going to come up short to Katie Hobbs. I'm not buying that. And neither are the people in Arizona. Rasmussen's numbers are showing 62% of Americans believe that cheating impacted the 2022 midterms. So now we have about two thirds of the country that doesn't trust election results which really tells me that the electorate is not favorable for Democrats, for one. And number two is that if we don't get the elections issue reformed, the 2024 presidential races, having to hope that you can outvote significant fraud. And really, if, if we're pushing the narrative that we need to get better at ballot harvesting and mail-in voting and early voting, then we're also believing that they're going to not count votes long enough to make sure they win all the key states that appear to have been locked down in these midterms. Well, it is indisputable that the election law reforms that took place between 2020 and 2022 happened almost exclusively in the places where Republicans were in position to enact those reforms or where the court cases were successful. So, for example, Wisconsin's disallowance of drop boxes. Does anyone really think that Senator Ron Johnson would have been reelected had the drop boxes been in place? Um, do you have any observations on Wisconsin? Uh, in its performance in this election? No, people inside Tim Michaels' campaign were telling me that Michaels thought he had it in a narrow victory, so certainly not looking like a massive blowout. They had a pretty contested Republican primary up there. It was a little bit dicey, but Tim Michaels' campaign thought they had it by a, a point, and uh, most of the polls coming into the election also favored Michaels, and I think he lost by three or four points. So clearly they are still mastering the art of ballot harvesting. And even if the drop boxes aren't prevalent or if they're not there at all, you can still harvest ballots in mass and make sure they're mailed in. And also, if the machines are corrupted, based on what we saw in Virginia and in other places, then the sky is the limit. It's easy to tip off any close race or really anything within 10 points. And because of that, my electoral map for 2024 only gives the Republican Party 176 guaranteed electoral college votes. 176. Which means they would need a set. They would need 106. Uh, they would need 100 plus votes because 270 is the magic number, uh, as as I recall. 
Let's talk for a moment, if we can, about Nevada. I was a lone voice, uh, I think, in conservative media, saying that um, that if uh, Adam Laxalt, who I know and like, uh, whose father, Paul Laxalt, the governor and U.S. senator of uh, Nevada, who's a very good friend of mine, uh, went into Election Day with a two-point lead in the polls, that he would certainly lose. Uh, and of course, we have now not only seen that, uh, but you have the anomaly of the Republican candidate for governor, Joe Lombardo, who is in fact really a Democrat, a pro-sanctuary city. There was no evidence of fraud in 2020. If you're a deputy, I mandatorily must vaccinate you. Democrat winning at the same time that Adam Laxall is losing. What is your analysis of what happened uh, in Nevada or the Nevada uh, regula election regulatory setup? Nevada has tons of problems. Number one, Clark County is too dominant. Clark County is more than two thirds of the vote in Nevada. And together with Washoe County, you're looking at seven eighths of the vote. So corrupt two major counties, and you have the same thing you have in Arizona. You have massive Maricopa County, and then you have second tier Pima County and they completely blanket out the rest of the state. Now, as far as those races go, Jim Marchant, Secretary of State candidate, was the first one burned up when they started counting the so-called drop box ballots. And I saw that coming, and Laxalt's campaign thought they had the campaign in the bag. They started putting out tweets saying she's gonna need 63% of the remaining ballots, and guess what percentage she got? 63%. Give yourself enough time to count all the votes and you will come out on top. Now, Lombardo, I think that him being ushered into the governor's office is somewhat of a, a consolation prize to where people can say there's not fraudulent elections. Look, the Democrat governor got ousted and here's a Republican governor in Nevada. I think that is for the low information election follower out there. That's a pretty, that's a pretty clear thing. But Nevada should have been a Trump state by about nine points according to my models and he should have carried Clark County. So with that, and combining with the registration trends continuing into the 2022 midterms, more favorable for the GOP in Clark and in the state of Nevada as a whole, in a Biden midterm, there's no way that any of the top of the Republican ticket should have lost their races. But Laxalt, I'm not sure where he is today on, on, where, on his campaign's position about this race, but if we continue to allow people to count votes until they win and they go in lopsided numbers, there's no wonder that people don't trust elections. Because what we're after is transparency and if we don't get the transparency people will continue to have the, the distrust in elections and i think if you're counting votes beyond election day look at alaska alaska has a 30th of the votes that florida has and they're still counting uh uh ranked voting thing um kind of this should actually be a good opportunity can you explain ranked voting for us because in that race in alaska you had essentially two Republicans or one rhino and one real Republican running against each other. We know that Mitch McConnell shifted $9 million from Arizona, where he could have brought home a Senate race, to Alaska to try to help Lisa Murkowski, who in her last election was elected as an independent prior to the election law reforms. She bolted the Republican primary because she couldn't win a Republican primary. She chose to caucus with the Republicans. That doesn't make one a Republican. Explain ranked choice voting for us, because um, when we had uh, 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 the former governor, Sarah Palin, here on uh, frankspeech.com and asked her to explain it, she really couldn't. Please explain this to folks. Sure. 
Well, about ranked choice voting, the election in Nevada, with all of its issues, seems to have brought across ranked choice voting with it. There was a referendum for ranked choice voting, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's going to pass based on all the Democrat candidates taking over the Republicans with the exception of the governor's office. So Nevada will also have ranked choice voting, which is a tremendous mistake. What it is, it's a system that allows multiple parties. So not just the top two, but let's say you've got four people running, like you have Murkowski and Shabaka up in Alaska on the Republican side, and then you have a Democrat, and then you have you know maybe a Libertarian, and they all go into one race. And people go vote like normal. And if nobody takes 50% of the vote on the next ballot, which nobody actually shows up a second time, they don't have to go back to have another runoff. They just go to your second choice. So if I pick, if I pick the Democrat as my first choice, and that Democrat comes in at 25%, and Kelly Shabaka is at 47 but doesn't hit a majority. So if the rhinos that voted for Shabaka's other Republican opponent, like in uh, like Lisa Murkowski, then they are going to have their votes converted from that Democrat to the person in second place. So it allows the it allows the bottom tier to overtake the person with the highest plurality of votes. So if somebody gets stopped short of 50%, which is very possible in some of these states like Wisconsin or in maybe Nevada where a Republican might win with 48% and a high third party share, that stops narrow Republican pluralities generally because your rhinos are going to back the Democrat before they back a populist conservative. All right, now let's turn uh, to the state that is uh, maybe just as fraudulent as Nevada, maybe actually more fraudulent. Um, how did, if you were watching us here on frankspeech.com uh, when we did a live election coverage, Mike Lindell was actually showing you in real time uh, these ballot drops uh, from the sky out of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, given the legislative history and the fact that the state legalized mail-in ballots, which are very, very specifically and clearly unconstitutional under uh, state law. It was passed, by the way, by the Republican state legislature, state Senate, and the lower house, signed into law by a Democrat governor. Got to wonder what those Republicans were thinking. Um, was overturned by the Commonwealth courts. That decision was upheld by the appeals court, uh, and then that decision was overturned by the state Supreme Court which is very politicized. Therefore, I question, as long as mail-in balloting uh, is uh, in place to the benefit of the Philadelphia Democratic machine, whether any Republican can win in Pennsylvania. Um, I agree with those who say that Dr. Oz was probably not the best candidate, uh, but I don't agree with those that say that one of the other candidates would have won uh, given the situation in Pennsylvania. Tell me what you think. I think the biggest problem with Republican wins in Pennsylvania and Michigan specifically, including, you can throw Wisconsin in there as well, and Minnesota, is Donald Trump flanked the battlefield in 2016. That I think the cheat was probably set up to impact the 2004 Electoral College map, given that they thought that might be the Republican path to victory. Trump got enough votes in Florida to pull that. He pulled North Carolina. Colorado's gone, Virginia's gone, New Mexico's gone, at least in 2016. And then he went up for Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. He also almost got Minnesota. He flipped Ohio and Iowa. So I think that there was a not anticipated flanking maneuver by Trump to pull the non-college white vote that Obama lost, but Romney couldn't pick up. 
And once that happened, there's no surprise there anymore. Just like a lot of the Latino gains in South Texas got reversed in a Biden midterm, I don't think there was any ability to surprise and pick up those House seats. So once a trend is bucked and then identified that this group is moving this way, then that can be counteracted with phantom ballots and fake harvested ballots in elections. That's why you have Donald Trump surpassing Barack Obama in Pennsylvania in 2020 by 100,000 votes in a state in which most counties are stagnant or declining in population, but then getting surpassed in the same election by Joe Biden, despite a massive shift in Republican Party registration advantage. So I don't think that it's organic that Republicans can't win right now in Pennsylvania or Michigan. It's obviously engineered. And that was done by the 2018 midterms in which Democrats were swept into office in all the key industrial Midwest states. So right now we are on the outside looking in, and that's why it was so critical that Carrie Lake become governor of Arizona so she could blow the top off the election scheme. Uh, Michigan is perhaps the greatest single rat's nest in American politics today. Half the people wearing Republican jerseys are really Democrats. The idea that Whitmer was easily reelected boggles the mind, uh, but half the Republicans are working against us. I can't even begin to sort out who is on which team because all the Republicans are so busy shooting at each other, they don't reserve any ammunition, political ammunition, uh, for, the, uh, for the Democrats. Uh, yet it's very hard for me, having done uh, and been involved in 12 national presidential campaigns, to count to 270 electoral votes uh, without Michigan. Uh, it, it really is, is deeply disturbing. Uh, let's take a look at Georgia, uh, where actually I predicted once again that we would end up in a runoff, and here we are. What was the level of cheating in Georgia on Election Day, and why were they not able to put Raphael Warnock uh, at the required 50% under state law to avoid a runoff? I'm very curious about Georgia because most of the Trump grassroots detests Brian Kemp. I personally know several people that are Trump types in Georgia who did not vote for Kemp. And Kemp had a comfortable win against Stacey Abrams, who is considered a liberal icon. I would assume in an election that the Democrats did well at a lot of the state races, Senate governor races, and she'd be much more competitive. And it would be Warnock who got knocked off in favor of a state legend like Herschel Walker. Now, Walker is weak in Cobb and Gwinnett counties and in the core Atlanta areas, not necessarily urban downtown metro Atlanta, but just metro Fulton and DeKalb. Walker is way behind Trump's vote totals from 2020 in those counties. So if he's going to run up his vote total, I think he's going to need 2.3 million votes to win. Then he's going to need to blow it out in the suburban metro Atlanta area. He's doing pretty well throughout the rest of the state on pace to match what he needs as far as Trump's votes were concerned in 2020. But Warnock will also be targeting those areas as well. Warnock is toast in rural Georgia. But if he can blow it out in suburban Atlanta and metro Atlanta and then benefit from the home team advantage of manipulation of elections, Warnock will likely hold on to that seat. sent me a terrific uh, graphic um, that was kind of... Uh... Uh, the captain's remedy for all of this. Walk through for folks what we need to do in order to have free, fair, honest, transparent elections in this country. Do you have the graphic up? I've got them all in memory. But the uh, first one is the first point for the, the 10 steps to true election integrity is to clean out the voter rolls. That is the foundation of where all the fraud is, especially if it's electronic, you can just tap into the voter rolls with machines and cast out ballots for fraudulent registrations. 
Number two is to ban all electronic elections equipment and go back the way things used to be and hand count these paper ballots. Number three is to enforce voter ID standards across the board and in every precinct. Number four is to ban mail-in voting with very few exceptions. Overseas military legitimately disabled should be the only people voting by mail. Number five is to ban severely restrict early voting. The only exceptions are those doctors, nurses, pilots, election workers that can't show up on election day. Very rarely should people be applying to vote early. Number five, uh, number six, I should say, drastically smaller precincts. So we need to be able to get precinct sizes down to 1,200 to justify moving away from early voting and mail-in voting and moving to one day, one vote. That's a big issue. Number seven is to do what Florida has done and ban ballot harvesting and make it a felony. That's about enforcement as well. Number eight, election day is a holiday. That is critical for getting away from all the shortcuts that have sabotaged our elections, the mail-in voting and the early voting period, which allows for all the harvesting of ballots, particularly fraudulent ballots. Number nine is recording requirements for transparency so we don't have cities holding out their votes for three days and counting for a week. And number 10 is heavy prison time for election fraud. If we put those 10 together, then we will have almost completely clean elections with very little room for manipulation. So obviously you were watching on election night. You saw that Republicans won historically sweeping victories here in the state of Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis reelected carrying Miami-Dade, a longtime Democratic stronghold, also carrying Palm Beach County, home county of President Donald Trump. Neither one of those has happened in decades. Uh, I uh, had a lot of experience here with the great folks at Defend Florida. I know that our voter lists are not particularly clean. In fact, I think they badly need uh, to be audited uh, and cleaned. Uh, yet, uh, perhaps because of the reforms put in place uh, by Governor DeSantis, we didn't have the widespread problems in other states. To what do you attribute the fact that Florida appears to have had an honest election? I think that a couple of things are in play. I, I feel like Florida may have had an organic election in terms of we need to show a massive narrative that is an anti-Trump narrative, perhaps. But really, the thing that Florida really tells me is how is Florida going to go R plus 16 for Senate, R plus 19 for governor, R plus 21 for attorney general, and you're not going to have any ripple effect throughout the rest of the country, like in Michigan or Pennsylvania, that's going to have any traction with those working classes, because Florida is a perfect political cross-section of America. You have every type of voter represented in Florida, and you had a massive Republican wipeout. You would probably assume with a more competitive midterm, you'd see something like you saw in 2018 in Florida, highly competitive races. But that's not been the case for this election. Now, Florida also cracked back on a lot of things. Ballot harvesting is, is a felony. That's a big deal because the ballot harvesting is the fuel for the fraud behind mail-in balloting. But by no means does Florida have completely safe elections. Uh, I, I agree with that. I agree with your analysis there. All right. Um, I thank you very much, Captain Seth Keschel, a man who has uh, enormous respect uh, here on the Stone Zone with a great analysis of exactly what happened uh, this past Tuesday. Um, we, uh, we really have to pray on top of everything else. I hope you're right about uh, Carrie Lake taking legal action on the basis of constitutional violations in the disenfranchisement uh, of, uh, of voters. If people want to follow you uh, on uh, your Substack, even though we have it 
on the screen, or we will have it back on the screen in a second. Tell folks where they can follow you on both Truth Social and uh, follow your Substack. My Truth Social account is at Real S. Keschel, K-E-S-H-E-L. And my Substack, which I update regularly with free and, and paid content, skeschel.substack.com. All right, folks, I urge you to follow Captain Seth Keschel, who's uh, joined us on the Stone Zone today. Seth, many thanks for making yourself available and being in the Stone Zone. You bet, Roger. Thanks for having me on.